excited for this morning and I was reminded that it was only just six months ago that no one was in this room in the morning time. It's incredible how God can move in just six months, who he can bring, what he can do, how he will grow his church, not just in people being here, but in the strength that's inside of the people who are here. Praise God for it. I'm excited in a little while. You see the baptism. Baptismal is here. We get to celebrate new life in baptism. I'm excited about that. And I'm preaching from a title today called Prepare the Way. Prepare the Way. We ended our, our collection, It's Not Over, this past, the week before. We're going to start a new collection this coming week. I believe we also have a little party after the 11 and after the 5 this coming week, so don't miss that. It'll be a fun time, you know. Maybe some snacks and some food and some goodies and bounce house for the adults. Who knows? Maybe we'll get something for the kids. I haven't decided yet, you know, whatever. Bounce house, 15 and up. That's it. Oh, sorry, 30 and up. <laughs> How about that? We'll have a good time. Um, this, this next week, we're going to start a new collection, Made for Miracles. Made for Miracles. That's what God has put in my heart to remind the church all the different areas of miracles that, we're, that we are made. Through the power of Jesus, we are made to accomplish here in this time. Not later. When I get to eternity, no one's going to be walking around needing me to come over and do a miracle through the power of Jesus on their life. And praise God for that. We're going to get our new bodies. We're all going to be, you know, the height that we want to be, probably. You probably won't have wings. But it probably won't matter. But now there's a time and there's a need for people who are broken and hurting. And some of us are in this very room. Some of us are praying that the miracle would happen in our own life. And I want to help position the church, the bride of Christ, that we could really return to this idea that we're made, that miracles would flow from the power of Jesus here on earth. It's not as complicated or as weird as people have to make it seem, or as obscure either. But that's next week. Right now, prepare the way. Just a little one week I want to spend time on. I want to go, I want you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3. We're going to look at a person named John say some scripture together, then I'm going to get out of your hair and we're going to celebrate new life in baptism. Then you can go to lunch. Who knows where you'll go, you know? So many great places out there. This morning when I was picking up Zach, he made sure he brought his cushion. So if we go to any places for lunch that have a hard seat, he's covered. you got to plan ahead. Preparation is very important because the other week I took him to Spring Creek Barbecue, which is a place I like to eat on Sundays because they got unlimited hot bread and they got free ice cream. Okay, great. No one's excited about that. Thanks a lot. Cool. I guess there's a reason I didn't invite you and I invited Zach. <laughs> I paid too, so joke's on you. <laughs> Tough crowd on a Sunday morning in August. Woo. Be 
hot outside today. So I took them to Spring Creek, and they got those hard wooden chairs there if there's not a booth available. So, you know, it's kind of a bummer. And then another week, he went to a Mediterranean place, and they all got those hard chairs that are there. So he wanted to make sure he was prepared this morning. So he said, make sure and grab one of my cushions so I could sit on it because he wants to sit there and enjoy his lunch the whole time, right? And because of his accident, he's got a little less muscle on one of his tushies. So he doesn't want to have to just lean on one side to finish the rest because preparation is important. I went on a trip last year in August, and my wife was pregnant, but we didn't have a baby. So we brought with us two, two small duffel bags that were like both halfway full. And I was like, we could probably just bring one bag, but she just put her stuff in that one. I put this stuff in mine, and they were matching, so I was like, that's cute. Anyways, we just took the bags, you know. One trip out to the car, I had a bag in one hand, a bag in the other. I tossed them in the back, and off we went on the trip in August with no kids. This year, we went on the same trip in August with a baby, just one baby. I made about 100 trips from the door to the back of the car. I got a pack and play, and I'm lugging it. I got a car seat, and I'm carrying it before he gets in it because it's so heavy when he's in it. Put that in there. I got clips. I got little toys that clip onto the car seat. Not just one, several. My wife is extra. I got a mirror on the back of the headrest that faces down to the car seat. I got to make sure it's positioned right. I got to get out to the car early, and I got to start the car so it's nice and cool. So we put the baby in it. He's fine, ready to go. Because, you know, he'll tell me, like, hey, Dad, the car's not hot, you know, Car's too hot. I'm like, no, you're seven months old. You can't even say that. <laughs> got to make sure I reach in the back and I got to turn the back air conditioning on, which I've never used in my car. Because if you're back there and you're an adult, you can turn it on yourself. But I got to turn it on all the time. I know where it's at. Just reach back. Boom. Then I got two bags that are completely full. I don't know why we're bringing more stuff now that we have a kid just for us. I'm like, I need an extra pair of socks. I got a kid. Never know what happens. <laughs> you never know. I'm bringing an extra shirt because you never know, okay? I got a shirt on under my shirt on. Just in case something happens to this shirt, I'm still game ready. <laughs> bringing an extra pair of shoes, throwing in some extra shoelaces. You don't know what you're going to need on this trip. He has nine bags. He's got a noisemaker. The dude lives in a spa. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's worth it to me because when I get there, I want to be prepared. I don't want to get to the trip and then be like, oh my gosh, like you're liable to forget something. But I don't want to get there and be all unprepared. I'm bringing extra towels. My wife's got this little contraption that you, if you want, you can cover it over the pack and play to make it dark. She's got portable blackout shades, and she's going around like, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. She brings a new can of paint. We've got to paint this wall different. You know, who knows what we're doing? But when we get there, we're going to be prepared. And I'm all about preparation when it comes to my marriage because here's what I know. Happy wife, happy life. Yeah. So my baby, you want that? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, you need me to carry all those things? I'll carry all those things. Because when I get there, I want my wife to be happy. I want it all to work out and be good. Not that she's moody or she's grumpy, but I know how to have a good life. All those that are just now married, yeah. I told Cameron, can I tell you for a second? Okay. I told Cameron today when I saw him, I said, hey, man, I've been telling him for four years that he needs to grow this mustache out, yeah. you know? And he does it every once in a while for like a month. 
and then it just goes away, you know. And I've been telling Cameron, like, I came up to him and I said, hey, man, I noticed you get to keep the mustache now for several weeks while you're married. I said, but also I noticed your pants got a little more fitted. So you had to compromise. She picked out your pants, but you get to keep the mustache. Here's the thing. That's fine deal. All right? It's a fine deal. That's how marriage works. You want a happy wife. This is very important. And to my wife, preparation is key to that. She does not want to go somewhere unprepared. She tricked me. When we were dating, she said she loved camping. We got married. No more camping. We go glamping. We go glamping, but not camping. It's okay, though. I still get a lot of wins. I just don't get to camp very often with her. There's a lot of wins there. Glamping only now. So I love camping in a house. And I'm like, well, that's not really camping. <laughs> the thing about it is the trip was happening regardless. We were going on the trip. It wasn't a matter were we going to get to the trip. The matter was were we going to be prepared when we got to the trip. There's things that are going to happen whether you want them to happen or not. And the only difference between now and when they happen is how much time you'll spend preparing for when they happen. This is why I say that in the waiting, it's so important that it's not just waiting, it's learning. Because our God is a teacher. He's a shepherd. He's a father. He's an instructor. He's the source of wisdom. And so he pours out wisdom and knowledge for us that we might take hold of them, apply them to our life, that they might become preparation for the future. I want to share, like I said, this passage in Luke chapter 3 of someone who understood preparation. His name was John. Verse 1, 15th year, Tiberius, and not that I'm saying it's not awesome, but you know, you get it set in the scene. Verse 2, during the high priesthood of Annas and Sophias, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. You know, you don't got to be somewhere important for someone important to speak to you. And he, after hearing the word of God, how many have heard the word of God before? All seven of you, praise him for that. Everyone else, you're hearing it right now, so raise your hand in 30 seconds. And after hearing the word of God, he went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And as it is written, there's a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way, make straight the paths. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain shall be made low. The preparation that's coming is taking what is in the world and turning it upside down. What was low will be high. What was high will be low. What you thought was success no longer is success when you find Jesus. Now you realize it has a bigger purpose than that. Now you realize everyone can think you're crazy, but God can know you're faithful. And when John heard the word of God, he knew that his mission was to go out and to prepare the way. This is why he says, make straight the path. Jesus did not need preparation because without John, he couldn't do it. The people needed preparation because without John, they may not know. 
If it wasn't for the voice crying out in the wilderness, preparing them, saying, the Messiah is coming. All things will change. What is crooked will be straight. The rough places will be level. All flesh will see the salvation of God. You have to remember, when this is taking place, for hundreds of years, God had not spoken to his people. Old Testament, Malachi, you know, the French gospel. Okay, Malachi, fine. It ends. The last page turns. God doesn't speak. But now the word of the Lord comes to John the Baptist. Because why? The word was made flesh and had grown up. It was time for it to begin to do its ministry on the earth. It was time for people to know. He said to the crowds in verse 8, Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. He's saying to the religious leaders, Don't say, I go to church, I'm good. He's saying to the churchgoers, don't say, I voiced a prayer and raised my hand one time in a congregation. I'm good. He's saying to the people that call themselves Christian, look at the fruits in your life. Don't base it on what your fathers did or your parents did or what they didn't do or who they were or who they weren't or who they thought they were. That has nothing to do with your salvation. You need to prepare your way that Jesus might come. Because they were all leaned on, well, Abraham is our father. We have no other father. We're saved by him. And they would say things like, we've never been enslaved to anyone. We're with Abraham. But the problem was they had it all, all twisted. They were wrong. They had been slaves for years. Abraham was not their savior. He says, then even the axe is laid low to the root of the trees, that every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. It does not say every tree that does not say one prayer to Jesus confessing their sins. It says every tree that does not bear good fruit. The axe is already laid low to the root, ready to cut down the tree, pull it down, and throw it into the fire. Symbolizing eternal hell, but symbolizing fruit that leads to salvation. Not just for yourself, but for city of Arlington, your household, your job, the Metroplex. The state, the country, the world. John went all into his region. What is your region? What is your area? Where are the spots that you are now that you can go since you have heard the word of God? The word of God has come to you. Now how will you prepare the way for other people to know who Jesus is? How will you prepare the way for your heart to be made like Christ? How will you prepare the way for Jesus to come to a work? It's all him. It's, it's, there's, there's nothing you can do to get to salvation. There's nothing you can, get, you can do to get to a relationship. Jesus did it. But even here in the text, he has not yet done it, but is planning to die on the cross, planning to make the atonement for all of all sins, planning to call all of his children right, all of his children righteous based on his blood and not ours, planning to be the ultimate sacrifice. And even then it says the axe is ready to cut down the tree that does not bear good fruit. 
But so much of the church wants to live in their sin. So much of the church wants to do what they want. So much of the church wants to have this and have that. So the crowd heard them. You're about to get cut down like a tree and thrown into the fire. And they said, what shall we do in verse 10? And he says, whoever has two tunics is to share one with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Then he says, tax collectors came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Stop being dishonest. Stop cheating. Stop swindling. Stop taking advantage of them. Then soldiers came and they asked him, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be content with your wages. He attacks the popular crimes of the time. That people were selfish and they only wanted for themselves first. I'll share with you if I have enough to share with you. The tax collectors who were known for taking more than they should, he says, stop doing it. The soldiers who were known because they had poor wages, known for taking bribes that they wouldn't arrest people, he said, don't do it anymore. And I was trying to read where he said, where he said, all you got to do is come to church and you're fine. And I just didn't find it. So I kept reading all the way through Luke. Then I got to John, and I kept trying to find it, where it said that, just go to church and you'll be fine. I didn't find it. Then I got to Acts, and I started watching the church explode. And instead of people saying, come to church, come to church, they were saying, go be the church, go be the church, go be the church. And I was like, man, I'm so confused. Why are we saying the wrong thing? Then as they asked their questions, they asked their questions. John, being so clear to remind them he's not the Messiah, there's one greater, says, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, which we're going to see. But there is one mightier than I. And he's coming. The strap of his sandal I'm unworthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You see, I baptized you with water. I'm baptizing you, and we're saying, you know what? This is, this is forgiveness of sins, and we thank you that there's a Lord that's big enough to take care of this because I'm not. I'm too sinful in my current state to be taken care of. So God has to do something for me that I cannot do. But there's one that's coming that's greater than I, John says. This is your message when people say, oh, man, I love that shirt. Thank you so much. It's a great shirt. But let me tell you something. There's one who has a better shirt than this. Oh, man, you sure are good at your job. Oh, man, let me tell you something about my job. Because there's a guy that I know who gives me wisdom that's beyond anything you've ever heard. What? Serious? Yes, his name is Jesus. Because I'm preparing the way in the workplace. I'm preparing the way in my child's room. I'm preparing the way in my house. I'm preparing the way in my car. I'm preparing the way in my city. I have authority to come and declare that Jesus is Lord. So why don't I do it? Open up my mouth and speak. There's one who baptizes with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And you don't need to get in the tank or you cannot. It does not matter. He has come to anoint you for a time like this. Prepare your way. Speak up and declare truth. Let God reign and stop wondering why.
wondering why God's not moving. He's not working. It's not happening. I just keep hoping. No, if you, if you were hoping, then everyone around you would know where your hope was. You'd be winning souls, but you might be losing some friends. Friends. There's something that God puts in a person's heart that calls them to have a spirit that's similar to the one of John the Baptist, as we call him. That prepares the way in an area, in a region, for what the Almighty God wants to do. But so many people have been taught to press it to the side over and over and over again. That when that voice begins to speak, we're so used to tossing it to the side. We don't even know what preparations need to be made. Some of us need to revert back to a quiet place and hear again from God. Some of us need to say, okay, God, I'm going to stop messing around. And I'm talking to people that are at church on Sunday. I'm talking to people that I believe are filled with the Spirit. I'm talking to people right now, whether you'll be watching online or whether you're here in this room, that I know want to please God. But here's what I know also. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that faith without works is dead. Therefore, what you want to please God with is dead. It can't work. So it's time to get our faith not just in our head and our heart, but active moving out of our lives. That we might prepare a way. For God to work. And stop grumbling about if he will or why he won't. It's simple this morning. Prepare the way. There's only one title and one point. And one set of verses. Let's not miss it. Let's not hear it and get excited and walk away. Not. Let's decide what we need to do this week and today. To let the Holy Spirit. Have his way. Stop clouding it with all the things that we need. Let me pray for you. I'm going to ask the band to come up, and then we're going to celebrate baptism. Father, I thank you that you give us the strength to prepare the way, that the way is yours. You are the way. So, Father, would you convict our hearts as it needs to? Keep us free of guilt and shame but keep us rooted in the conviction of the Holy Spirit that we might know how to think, how to act, where to step, and where to go. Father, you are good. There's none like you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.